Welcome to a throwback edition of the Social Flight Live podcast, where we feature a special past episode that stood out from all the rest. Join our live broadcast every Tuesday evening at 8 p.m. Eastern at socialflightlive.com. Social Flight is brought to you by Aspen Avionics, Avidyne, Bose Aviation, Continental Aerospace Technologies, Lightspeed Aviation, Massimo Mighty Sat, Tempest Aero Group, and Whip Air. And now, here's your host, Jeff Simon. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Social Flight Live. I'm Jeff Simon. We have a fantastic show for you this evening. John McKenna is with us from the Recreational Aviation Foundation. It's going to be a lot of fun talking about both backcountry and also, as I've learned, local flying, uh, all in support of recreational general aviation. Now, before we get started, a couple tips. First of all, tonight's broadcast will be recorded. You can find a recording of that usually tomorrow or the day after within Social Flight, either the mobile app or at socialflight.com, or check out our YouTube channel. Just, again, search for Social Flight, one word on YouTube. YouTube, and that should bring it up for you. Now, if you're on a mobile device, we'll be showing some pictures this evening. You can swipe left and right to be able to go back to the speakers or to the mobile device. If for any reason you have any problems with your device or your login to the broadcast, all you need to do is close out and log back in. That should get you everything that you need. Now, as always, Social Flight and Social Flight and the Social Flight mobile apps were created to support general aviation and to support all of you. We have tens of thousands of events and destinations, uh, lots and lots of education and online events and tonight's program, of course, along with that. We also are coming up on the end of this particular giveaway that we have going with Tempest Arrow. So all you have to do is get the mobile app, check in at just one airport even, and you're entered to win this very cool prize pack from Tempest. And then we have another cool prize coming up following that. So again, we are just trying to do everything we can to support the industry, to support yourselves, to get everyone out there and safely flying. So with that statement about social flight, why we're here to support everyone, I really, really am excited to have a, a guest here who's made his entire life about uh, being able to support general aviation as well. Um, John came hailing from the mining city of Butte, Montana. Um, his uh, view of the Rockies from a neighbor's bonanza motivated him to obtain his private pilot's license at an age of 16. And for the past 40 years, he's rarely traveled any other way, accumulating over 5,000 hours, many of it in his Cessna 185. His wife, Trish, also flies and enjoys her cub, and their three children consider the airplane the family station wagon. It's simply how you get there. Um, and so his family characterizes the spirit of volunteerism. Uh, in, in addition to serving the long hours volunteering as chairman of the Recreational Aviation Foundation, John and his family are passionate supporters of the Special Olympics. And this passion for aviation and an unwillingness to wait for someone else to save our airports and preserve our way of life have provided the momentum to form the RAF. Welcome, John McKenna. How are you doing this evening, John? Hey, good, Jeff. And yourself? Excellent. Excellent. Thank good. you so much for taking the time to join the broadcast. Oh, I just got done. I jumped out of the shower. I spent, uh, what do you do when it's 20 below in Montana? You go to the airport and you start waxing your 185. So I'm still cleaning the uh, the wax out of my fingernails and 
uh, what I understand is about 11,000 rivets in a 185. <laughs> that heater better be, that, that hanger better be heated. <laughs> that was a prerequisite. <laughs> oh, man. Is that like a windchill or is it actually 20 below? No, it's, it's not quite. That's a bit of an exaggeration. But uh, on Friday morning, they're saying that Bozeman is supposed to be 22 below zero. Um, <laughs> You know, really doesn't make much difference if the wind's blowing or not when it gets that cold. You know, you really don't want to be outside. It's not really great. It actually is very fun flying weather. It's gorgeous. It's crystal clear as a rule. But uh, you'd sure hate to have to land on a county road somewhere and have to walk more than a mile. So um, it's, it's a good time to wax the airplane. Yeah. So uh, tell me a little bit about your background and the history of the Recreational Aviation Foundation. And we can talk about really what your what your mission is and, and introduce people to. We've got some photos. We've got a ton of cool things to go through that have to do with both backcountry and other types of flying. So what's your story? Well, you know, I, I think you kind of hit on it in the opener. I was one of those kids that literally hung on the airport fence and uh, was fortunate to live next door to somebody who was a, an avid aviator. Uh, they owned a Bonanza, and every Saturday morning, um, he would drive by. He was a big road construction guy, and uh, he would swoop by about 5 o'clock in the morning on Saturday, and I'd be sitting out on the porch, and, and I could go, and um, he would load me in the Bonanza, and I, I flew all over Montana, Idaho, Wyoming in a Bonanza, and I thought that's just how you went from point A to point B, but I, I developed a real fascination, and, um, you know, here we are. I'm 66 years old. I started when I was 16. So uh, I've been doing it a long time. Uh, and I, I just, it's just, it's just what I, it's just me. Um, I can't really, Jeff, imagine a time or uh, that, that an airplane wasn't a part of it. So, mm. um, you know, and then I got, I got very fortunate uh, to uh, figure out a way to combine a passion with partially my, my occupation um, and my day job being in uh, the financial planning industry. And I, I use the airplane extensively to travel. Uh, it's probably been on every gravel road, every farm field in Montana, uh, many in the Western states. So I, I combined that, but uh, there was never really a, uh, there was never really a time when an airplane in my adult life wasn't a part of it. Um, I drove an older car, but, uh, as a result, uh, I knew where I wanted to spend my money and, and aviation was just not only some way to get something done, but, uh, just the people that I, I had the, the great opportunity to meet along the way was, uh, it, it, it was clear. It, mm -hmm. uh, if you stick, if you stick my finger, uh, you know, I'm, uh, an aviation bloodstream runs out. <laughs> you bleed a little hundred low yeah. lead or some I aviation do. oil. <laughs> you do. Yeah. Um, so, so tell me a little bit, Ben, about forming the, the RAF and where that comes from, and how you got connected to a lot of these airports that, uh, that that aren't the the mainstream ones with FBOs and everything else. Well, it really started with the 185. To be honest with you, I bought this, uh, and, and it's the same airplane. I bought we, my wife and I, bought this 1978 185 in 1988 with 450 hours on it. Uh, it's now got 5,100 hours on it. Um, and uh, so we've, we've been quite a few places in that airplane alone. We, as you mentioned, we're fortunate. We have a Super Cub. And, uh, but um, 
it was pretty apparent that was an airplane that had the ability to take you to some fun places. And so right off the bat, we, um, um, we started flying to places that would allow us to go camping. And uh, I remember very specifically the place. It was Johnson Creek, and it was 1988. We flew in there. There was a 180-185 fly-in that we attended, and a gentleman uh, now deceased by the name of Boyd Miller from Idaho grabbed me and said, here, we're in danger of losing some airstrips. Start signing some of these letters. And um, uh, he, he introduced me to something that, that I was passionate about and um, just became engaged in. And, and uh, kind of fast forward, uh, we were at the end of um, about a three-day period of just having some great time flying. And um, there were six of us. And we ended up at Schaefer Meadows in the Bob Marshall Wilderness in Montana, and we were camping, and there may have been a little bit of scotch involved, and we were sitting around a campfire, and we we all recognized that we had had an, an extremely fortunate few days, and we said, you know what, if somebody doesn't get really busy saving these places, they're truly just going to go away. Um, they'd sort of been neglected or forgotten for a period of time, and um, that was uh, 2000, and we kind of got busy, and we sobered up in the morning, and we all threw in a few bucks, 2,500, I think, as I recall, and we formed the RAF, and there were six of us, and the first mission was to figure out as if anybody else besides us cared about it, and uh, we thought, you know, we were just kind of embark on saving a couple airstrips, having a voice, kind of maybe saying something here and there. Um, if you'd have told me in 2001, two, when it was kind of getting its legs under us, that um, we would have 10,000 people scattered across the United States, um, that uh, we would be the what I think is probably uh, the adult voice in the room when it comes to talking to public land managers, uh, that we would have 120, 30 uh really strong volunteers all across this country. Uh, we'd have a couple of folks. Uh, we have two paid people, uh, otherwise a 100% volunteer organization. I'd, I'd, have, I'd have said, no, I still must be feeling the effects of the scotch from the night before. <laughs> but that's kind of where we are. We're, um, uh, we're, we're uh, all volunteer board of directors. Um, there are... Um, Eight of us at the moment on the board, uh, myself, the president is a guy by the name of Bill McGlynn out of Washington. Bill and I happened to be high school uh, classmates. We hadn't seen each other for 40 years till we were reunited through this. Pete Bunce, who's the head of the General Aviation Manufacturers Association, is on our board. A guy by the name of Bill Brine from uh, Martha's Vineyard. Uh, Jeff Russell out of Wisconsin. Steve Taylor out of Seattle. Um, and... Uh, Todd Simmons, who's uh, at Cirrus Aircraft, uh, is is on our board. Uh, so uh, Mike Perkins out of Big Fork, Montana, a former president of the 180-185 club, or director, excuse me. Um, so kind of a well-rounded group of people who are just super interested in what we do. Wow. And, and you you know, you mentioned something there that I don't want to gloss over too, too quickly. I think it's really important that the structure of your organization is so firmly based in volunteerism. Yeah, it, it really is. Um, um, you know, I mean, when we started the organization, it was it was just pretty difficult to figure out how you would fund it. Um, and, and what we did know is we were all candidly at the time, um, 
we had all run our own businesses or organizations and we knew that raising money was never easy. So we decided that it had to run on passion. And, uh, and if it couldn't run on passion and it didn't run on desire, then there probably wouldn't be enough money to, to cover up the lack thereof. And so here we are. I mean, it is still a passion-driven uh, organization. All of those people that I mentioned are passionate giving people who all could be doing lots of different things and uh, give just tons and tons of time. And I, I want to be really careful not to avoid, you know, I mean, we have, we have state liaisons uh, all across the country yeah. and ambassadors. Um, and those I'm gonna people. Show, I'm going to show a map now very briefly that I know that uh, uh, yeah. was uh, that you guys sent over. Let me see if I can show that just to show at least where you're, where kind your members actually question are. I always ask when I'm talking is uh, people, um, uh, people uh, uh, sort of consider us a Western organization. And I generally ask, I said, where do you think the most, uh, because we're based in Bozeman, Montana, the mail's got to come someplace. <laughs> um, um, but I ask people, where do you think the most members of the RAF reside? And, you know, the answer is typically, uh, you know, they think Montana, then they immediately default to Idaho because many people have flown to Idaho. Uh, candidly, it's Florida. And it's Florida by a wide margin. Um, I think you can kind of see that a little bit. Uh, I don't know how many foreign countries there are now um, that are, we have membership representation, but they're an interesting, that's an interesting study in and of itself. Having talked to a number of those people, Jeff, I say, why do you support the RAF and, you know, which really is um, a U.S.-based organization. And they say, what you have, that unique ability to go where you want, and especially to go and land on a piece of grass, for example, where you can pitch your tent next to your airplane, that just doesn't exist in our country. Mm. I had uh, a couple of young guys from Israel who said, we are saving all our money for the one in a lifetime trip to the United States, go do what you have the opportunity to do kind of anytime you want. Hmm. So I, it's never been lost on me. What, what a unique privilege we have in this country. And I use that word privilege because privilege and rights seem to cross every now and again. And I think we have a privilege to do what we do. We don't have a God given right to uh, have a pilot's license. I mean, it's something that most everybody probably watch has worked really hard for. And um, we're just trying to make sure they have some, some fun places to go. Um, yeah. You know, so that's our, that's our job, and, but it is all volunteer. I think it's fascinating that, that when, when you look at that map, when you see how many people are from around the globe, because that's, that seems like there's, a, there's almost a, a, a common human drive to sit there and say, I want to help support something that just seems wonderful and is, is maybe on my bucket list or maybe on my dream list that this is something I would want to do someday and I want to help protect that. Now that ties in also a little bit with a, a story of some of the work that you do to protect all these airports because I know you were telling me a little bit, why don't you help explain to everyone the structure of kind of what we're up against and where all these, the, the governmental organizations that own a lot of this land and what you do to help fight for these for these airports, regardless, and there, there's the trick question, regardless of where people live. 
Yeah, you're right. Uh, you know, and 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 you you did touch on something that, and if you if you can't get to the point where, as a part of your your DNA, I didn't realize, frankly, when I got my pilot's license, that I'd get so much more out of it than I am, or that I that I bought in for. Um, sure, I get to pull and push and push the throttle and turn and land on, but. But the joy, I, I, and it, it might sound sort of corny, but the fun that it brings to so many people, and I got to tell you, uh, for anybody who hasn't had the opportunity to perhaps um, get to one of these backcountry airstrips, wherever they are, um, or land on a, a slice of grass someplace, go do it. Um, I'd almost like to challenge you to see if it takes less than a week to wipe the grin off your face the first time you do it. It's just I, I, I'm going to bring up a picture of one of the favorites while you talk so, through some of this okay. because. Um, I just, I can't not do it. <laughs> Hold on. Let me close that one to get the right one here. Um, yeah, um, I can't, I can't not bring this picture up. Um, well, you know, well, and, and I know why it's because, uh, you're, you're a Bonanza guy. Um, <laughs> maybe, actually, maybe. Bonanza, actually, I've been, look, I, I've been a lot of different guys, right? Uh, you know, I was a Grumman guy. I've got a Titan yeah. Mustang behind me. So it's yeah. not that, but, but I can put myself in the cockpit mentally very quickly with this picture. And so you're right. For that reason, that turns me on because I know that I don't have to have huge tires to get in there. No, you don't. No, you don't. You just need, um, that happens to be just for anybody who doesn't know. And for those of you who do, that is uh, a Bonanza owned by a guy by the name of Scott Newpower. Um, and Scott Newpower lives in Sealy Lake, Montana, which currently just, uh, they got 60 inches of snow in the last three days. So Scott, the Bonanza is probably not moving, but that Bonanza, that's on short final to Schaefer Meadows, which is a backcountry airstrip in the Bob Marshall Wilderness Complex here in Northwest Montana, probably one of the crown jewels. But the real thing that you picked up on, you don't need a big tired Super Cub to go there. Um, that Bonanza, uh, um, have a friend that regularly flies his three, uh, 310 in there, another one that flies a 340 in there. Um, just properly flown, properly trained, um, it's perfectly acceptable. Um, the fun thing about talking to Bonanza guys, Jeff, is most Bonanza guys just don't, and gals, just don't know how good those airplanes fly under 100 knots. Um, they really are an excellent airplane. As we all know, they're tougher than a boot. You just have to be a little cautious with where you put the nose gear or where you put the nose. But, um, no, that is, that's a place that you, um, uh, there's a set of, uh, you kind of work towards that place. Um, I can tell you what, uh, you won't want to leave. Uh, it's just, it's just that sort of special. Um, the, and this particular piece of property is on property that's owned by the United States Forest Service. And uh, within various land management agencies, such as the Forest Service or the Bureau of Land Management or even the National Park Service, think of those particular land managers having zoning districts within their, uh, within their, uh, their land ownership. This particular airstrip is in a wilderness area, and that is the highest level of duty and care that's kind of like living in a gated community if you please um and aviation uh occupies a real special spot in these wilderness areas idaho's got a lot of them uh which we can talk about it uh, ad uh, for a long time about why there's more there than here in montana for example or other places 
But the bottom line is, is we, we have a responsibility to do our best to be good neighbors when we go there because there's other users who, who do go there. And um, uh, aviation is the only, and I, I, I can't underscore that enough, only um, mechanized method of access to those wilderness areas. And so that privilege is something that we, we, we take very seriously and we always hope that people will think about um, their activities and their actions when they go there so that it doesn't make it too hard on guys like us when we go back to Washington and advocate. But um, the U.S. Forest Service, uh, in terms of land management, people don't probably know, but the Forest Service itself, they're kind of in the middle. We always think of the the park service up here at the top. You think of like Glacier Park or Yellowstone Park, uh, Yosemite National Park. And they, they, those folks sort of see themselves as the protector of all that's good and great in the, up in the land of rocks and ice. And they sort of look down in the middle section on the Forest Service, which sits in the middle. Um, and the Forest Service got a little different mission statement, which we now know about. It only took me about 32 trips to Washington, D.C. to figure out what they really do. Um, and incidentally, people always say, well, how come it takes them so long to make a decision? And it's a little bit like uh, a tree growing. It, it happens one ring at a time um, is how they do it. But the Forest Service is a partner that we need to maintain a good relationship with. They have about uh, just short of 100 operating airstrips in the United States. So uh, they're, they're a large owner of, of, of aviation uh, assets. Um, underneath that Forest Service ring is the Bureau of Land Management. And... Um, uh, some jokingly say that's where you go to shoot your refrigerator. Um, but uh, um, the Bureau of Land Management has uh, even more airstrips out there. Many of them are holdovers from the old uranium mining days in Utah, for example. Um, but um, we need a good, strong relationship with our national uh, partners, uh, our federal land managers, because they do control such a large swath of the United States. Now, you, you had uh, an issue that you're working even right now uh, with one of, the, uh, one of the airports. I think you were talking about Death Valley yeah. um, in that, and that's kind of a good example of some of the work that you're doing. Well, some of you, and I hope that you have, and uh, you've commented on uh, uh, Death Valley, uh, the airstrip there called Stovepipe Wells. Um, I think I may have mentioned to Jeff at one point that uh, everybody has this goal to go land at Leadville, Colorado, because it's the highest in the United States. Well, you ought to go land at Death Valley sometime, uh, Furnace Creek or, or Stovepipe, because they're a couple of hundred feet under sea level. So if you're kind of a little bit, you know, you kind of look at your altimeter funny, that's a fun place to go do it. Uh, uh, but uh, Stovepipe Wells is owned by the National Park Service, and there's concern by the Park Service about its longevity, and there's concern that maybe there's more more and better use for stargazing, which we're, we're struggling a bit with because we don't fly around in the dark anyway in these yeah. environments. We don't know that's, we're not, not quite sure how stargazing and landing <laughs> during the day there is a problem, it, yeah. unless you're bringing telescopes in and then it seems like a perfect match. It, it is. Um, as a matter of fact, uh, we have one of our liaisons, his name's Mike Papura in uh, Illinois, and Mike holds a stargazing event at the airport every year, and it's well attended. There you People, go. So I am not sure what the problem is, but um, thank you to those of you who uh, commented to the Park Service because it's important. Um, and if people often ask, what can I do? What, how can I help? 
Well, the one thing you can do that doesn't cost a darn thing is take about five minutes when one of these subjects comes up, just type your little comment. Say, hey, it's important to me. I'm an aviator. Uh, I'd look forward to taking my mother, my father, my, my son, my daughter, my friend, myself to this place uh, in this unique way. And um, it counts. It really does count. How do people get notified of those? Where do you, where do you, where do you have an opinion, an opportunity to, to voice your opinion? Well, certainly, uh, you know, if, if you're not a member of the RAF, and um, I'd say, you know, I'd encourage people to, to, to join. Uh, we don't charge anything to join, so go to the, the RAF.org, um, jump in, join. Uh, I tell everybody the same thing. We, uh, even though we're all volunteer, it still takes a little bit to keep the light and the heat on, the lights on and the heat on, uh, keep the trains running on time. We do have two paid people who... Um, uh, help keep things going uh, as it is, uh, everybody else being volunteer. But go to the RAF webpage and we're constantly saying, hey, um, uh, please comment. Uh, so, here's, here's so, so the RAF serves partially uh, as an advocate, but also partially as a, uh, uh, in order to, to be a focal point for those comments and those comment periods on rulemaking and decision-making that's going to happen through the governmental organizations. So, so I guess you're saying, and I can't see any reason why everyone wouldn't want to be a member because you're going to get that notification of, Hey, we need people to write comments on this to help save this airport, which you may be thousands of miles away from, or it might be in your backyard and you need to help save it. No, you're right. You're right on target. And, um, you know, I mean, when you when you talk about sub- subjects such as Death Valley National National Park System (NPS), national is the first word in it in its uh, name, and it's your park. It's not mine. It's it's yours and yours and yours. It, it's all of us. They're they're national assets. So you have a, every right in the world to say something. But I will say that um, it's really helpful if you get in early. What t- what typically happens, and you know, think of it as a building. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, if you see a building going up and you run down to City Hall and you complain, it's probably a little late. Uh, there was probably some public planning that went on in advance. You probably saw the sign on the street that said, hey, uh, something's coming here. Uh, if you have a question, give a call to this number or call the planning department, show up at this meeting. Um, once the building started out of the ground and you start to complain about what's happening, by then... <laughs> By then, you're probably, you know, it's, it's a little late unless you're just looking for the, uh, the window washing job. You know, I mean, uh, by then, the building's a long way along. So we think of the land planning process and, and the, the involvement uh, the same way. Um, but, but I don't want to get too hung up either on all public lands because um, uh, one of the comments we, we frequently hear, Jeff, is about how most of the public lands, at least big swatch, swaths of, swaths of them, are in the west and uh, on the eastern side of the country over kind of where you live um, a lot of what we would call sort of hidden gems are privately owned mm-hmm. or they're on different kinds of land state ownership or a, a small municipality or something to that effect and just getting in and helping and being a good neighbor to those places is, it goes a very long way uh, I'm going, to bring up one, I'm going to bring up one that you uh, talked about recently, and that's over in our backyard here, and that's uh, Goodspeed. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't know how many, how many folks have, have been to Goodspeed, but it, um, we kind of call that a save. Um, the Goodspeed Airport was one that uh, was pi- privately owned, publicly available, but it was, um, there was a threat that it was going to get sold or turned over, um, uh, which would have resulted in the loss of the airport. Um, and um, some folks came to us that are involved with the Goodspeed Airport, and we did all we could, and we just supported their efforts in a, in a, in a lot of ways. There were two or three folks that emerged as just real champions of that airport. Really, they've gone out and uh, staked personal fortune and um, reputation, and we'd like to make sure that they're supported. So, um, you know, go to Goodspeed. And what the RAF did is we were, through a very generous donor, able to come in and, and give some assistance as well. Um, and um, so, you know, we call that a save. But look at that airport. It's right oh, it's connected. gorgeous. I mean, if anybody's been there, I mean, they know it's, um, and it's challenging just because it's a strip of asphalt doesn't mean that you don't need to be on kind of your A game to go there. Yeah. Uh, uh, it's a seaplane base. So those of you who uh, are water lovers, you can, you can go there as well. Um, have an anticipation of um, developing a, a turf strip uh, there, um, a, a dedicated turf strip. So uh, there's a, a great little place to eat down at the end. There's an opera house. There's, there's, you know, I, I don't think I need to. You've, you've got you. me sold. I haven't been there before, but this summer I am dying <laughs> to go there with the boys and and, and check, this, check out Goodspeed. And I, I want to use this opportunity because it's important for people to be able to find these before we kick into a bunch of pictures too, um, to find these airports. And, and first and foremost, of course, I want to make sure everybody goes to VRAF.org, VRAF.org. And there's sources there. And, there's, and again, please join. Check that out. But I also want to let people know that we have this kind of loose partnership where we've taken these airports. And we're now putting all these into social flight as well. And so if I go and I'm going to close this one and show you an example, you can actually find these same um, airports um, let me uh, open this up right now to see. Um, you can actually go, and here's an example. Um, you know, when we use social flight, we focus in many cases on the events and getting people out there. You mentioned you first got, uh, you know, together with people going to a 185, uh, 180, 185 fly-in. Well, our goal is to tell people, hey, that's happening. If you mow the lawn on Sunday instead of go flying, you're going to miss that. But in addition to that, if they can find these airports that the RAF is uh, uh, supporting and helping promote, here's an example. You can go straight to Goodspeed. Uh, you can see anything on our social flight map that has a camera on it. This uh, is a destination. It's a cool thing to go do and see and experience. Um, and in that particular case there, you can actually go there. And if you tap on it, you can see it. You can get pictures. You can get more information about it. And again, it'll tell you that um, uh, that this is part of uh, uh, of the RAF, and you go get information there as well. So uh, I, I passionately, passionately believe in what you're doing. I think that's really, really important, and it is. Uh, it's a bit. Uh, it's eye opening to me that it isn't just out in the West in Big Tireland. That it is all over the place. So. Why don't you take us, I'm, I'm going to go open up some, some of the other pictures oh, here. And this is a good place to say, you know, I mean, it's, it's just that conversation that we, you know, we recognize we can't do it all. 
So um, if you go to our website, you'll find something called the Airfield Guide. And the Airfield Guide is just this cool guide that talks a lot about, you know, these airports and uh, where they are. Uh, it's a it's a work in progress. And, um, you know, but um, our, our objective and and one thing I, I probably should disclaim is if you go to the RAF website, you're probably going to see some cool airplanes in some cool places and so on. But we're a whole lot less about the airplane than the place. And mm -hmm. the reason we are is because we recognize there's lots of places. I mean, from, you know, completely outrageous to uh, otherwise, uh, you know, video sources that you can go look at if you're, you know, sitting around with nothing to do at, you know, midnight, unable to go to sleep, and you just want to watch people do, um, you know, outrageous to crazy to whatever things with an airplane. I mean, there's those places. We're about the places. We're about trying to save the places because we know that if it, if it weren't for us doing what we're doing or if it weren't for organizations like us, we partner with so many like the Idaho Aviation Association, the Oregon Pilots, the Arizona Pilots Association. For those of you who are froze up right now, head to Arizona if you want to. They, uh, Mark Spencer and the RAF crew there have done an outstanding job with Arizona airstrips. Uh, so just tons of places. And without our partners at the local levels, we'd, we'd have a problem. So, um, you know, we, we highly regard their, their efforts. Absolutely. And we did get a question. We'll do our best to put some, give you some okay. identifiers. I will say 42 Bravo. That's good speed. So okay. if you want to go yeah. check that out, that's 42 Bravo. I'm not going to be an expert on every one of the identifiers. Neither will I. Neither will I. I'm better with the, <laughs> I'm better with the names. Maybe I'll, and, maybe I'll open, a, open a window and, uh, and be able to do a quick search as we go. But uh, I'll, uh, uh, we'll leave that and, and see what happens uh, with that. But based on what you're saying, you know, I have always been such a strong believer that for all of us that are organizations within uh, general aviation, it'd be so great if we could, were able to very easily come together, whether it be uh, helping people with the destinations in the airports, helping people with uh, events and things happening that support their uh, getting out there and knowing that they're going to see something that won't be there otherwise. Uh, it, all of these are just entry points that we can connect people um, to that, to their aircraft, to other affinity groups, and just keep us all flying. Yeah, I mean, that, our objective is, you know, um, you know, certainly uh, I feel extremely fortunate that I have kind of one of the coolest, you know, in my own, uh, for my, I work really hard for a cool backcountry machine, but it's a great transportation machine. And um, we had a young man come and help us at uh, one of our projects this summer, uh, and he came in a Cessna 150 by himself um, and, I mean, carried a candy bar and, you know, called in advance and said, I hope somebody's got something to eat because I don't have an extra useful load to carry food. And I, he came in this ratty, beat-up old 150 that um, he and three buddies uh, had less money tied up in than a bad used motorcycle. You couldn't – I mean, this guy was grinning from ear to ear. I, you know <laughs> – I was as pleased about that as I was about my friends showing up in a brand new Husky. So um, that's awesome. I yeah. love that story. Really yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, let's take a quick tour through some of these sure. and talk about where they are. And so I'm going to start here with Blackwater, Florida. Yeah. 
Uh, it's in it's in uh, it's uh, in northern Florida, and it's it was an airstrip on state-owned property. I, I think that the one thing that I, I when I looked at that picture, and it wasn't intentional. It's just to give some people uh, an idea that you truly don't need to own uh, a big tired Super Cub to go do this stuff and to have fun. You'll notice the airplane third down is a is a tiger, a Grumman tiger. Um, Blackwater. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Blackwater is an extremely cool place in Florida. It's just got it's got some hiking trails. It's got uh, clear water, clear water uh, all around. It's got some great canoeing. I mean, it's just a, it's just a wonderful place to go. So, um, um, you haven't been there. Uh, it's a pretty good time of the year to go to Florida. Yeah, I noticed I noticed the Grumman like third plane up. Well, you know, <laughs> plane that's very close to my heart, and not one you think about doing backcountry work in and. But yeah, what a what a great idea that you go, you know, th- throw some camping gear in and and just enjoy it. And I wouldn't have guessed looking at the picture that, that was Florida. Yeah, no, that's that is that's uh, that is Florida for sure. Um, it's a great spot. Um, Here we are in Cornucopia, Wisconsin. Yeah, that's up in Jeff Russell's country, up uh, northern Wisconsin, right on the, the shores of Lake Superior. And um, that's a project we did a uh, we did a little pilot shelter there. There's some bikes there. The little community there at Cornucopia has just embraced uh, the aviation um, addition. Um, like so many of these little communities, these little community airports, um, unless we make unless we show up, they kind of are wondering, well, what's that out there for? Uh, and these people, if you if you find yourself in northern Wisconsin. Um, this is a must stop. Uh, you just really should get up there, not to mention the fact there's a lot of great places to go otherwise in Wisconsin. So, mm. um, no, just a cool, cool spot. And you'll notice second airplane down again um, is uh, some some version of a Cherokee, uh, uh, complete with wheel pants. So, <laughs> um, you know, I mean, they might not work everywhere, and that, but that's kind of half the fun of all of this is to sort of learning what your you and your airplane are capable of. And I would encourage you to get some training. And 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 I think personally that's about half the fun. Uh, oh, practice at home. Uh, and you know, people say to me, what's the real trick to backcountry flying? And I will tell you this is the technical piece. Learn how to control your speed. Right. Uh, be able to land in the same spot more than once. Um, you know, like maybe four or five times in a row. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, and as you've said, people could do it in all sorts of planes. We've got people asking, can they do it in an Aztec? Can we do it in these oh, other things? And absolutely, sure. Anything, absolutely. Right? Yeah, yeah. And and you know, there are places you wouldn't go um, in your Aztec that you would go in your Super Cub, but there are lots of places to go in your Aztec. If you've not ever been to Smiley Creek in Idaho, um, Smiley Creek is probably one of the most gorgeous places there is. Um, it'll test you when it comes to, to, um, uh, your density altitude skills. And after you've spent a night at Smiley Creek or two, uh, if you can get away from staring at the Sawtooth Mountains and all that they are, you can take, uh, your passengers who might not think it's such a great idea to be camped on the ground at Smiley Creek, take them, hop them over the hill and go to Sun Valley. Um, <laughs> you, go. you know, get all the fufu coffee you want there instead of cowboy coffee. Nice, nice. Yeah. Well, let's tour. This is uh, a little of the work that you are doing here in Death Valley. Yeah, uh, the RAF has the only uh, national agreement 
with uh, the National Park Service to maintain airstrips. And we maintain the three airstrips in Death Valley National Park. Uh, the guy in the orange shirt to the left is Rick Locke from uh, Kernville, California, uh, Kern, Cal and he, uh, Kern County. And Rick is uh, just absolutely, uh, uh, as you can see, he rolls his sleeves up and goes to work. Those are the park superintendent, the guy with the hat, and the two rangers. Um, and um, uh, this was on a recent trip where we were discussing some of the stovepipe wells issues and where we just signed a new five-year agreement with the Park Service to maintain those airstrips. So, uh, you know, there's a lot that happens that doesn't involve Jeff flying around in an airplane. Uh, as a matter of fact, I, I rode the airlines to Las Vegas and drove up there for this particular meeting. Got it. Got it. Cool spot. They were good speed. And well, they, yeah, you showed good speed before this uh, list says Marcy Field, New York. You don't usually yeah. think about backcountry flying in New York, and here it is. Boy, if you haven't been to Marcy Field, then you uh, it's a couple thousand feet of probably the nicest grass airstrip that you'll ever land on. Um, the community of Keene, New York, just uh, embraces the airstrip. There's some of the best hiking in the in, uh, you're, you're right near Lake Placid. Uh, I mean, I was there two years ago, and it is absolutely a phenomenal place. So um, if you haven't been to Marcy Field and some of the places close there, too, uh, you're really missing a great opportunity. Yeah, it looks gorgeous, especially with yeah. the, foliage, helped, it's the foliage and things like that. Yeah, we helped them. Uh, uh, this last year, they had some encroaching trees, and the community didn't have enough money to, to cut the trees, and they uh, applied to the RF. We have a grant program. Um, and we, we think that's the best thing we can do with the money is that we, uh, work hard to, uh, to shepherd is we, we do grants, uh, around the country. We granted, uh, a local organization and, uh, whatnot, uh, the dollars necessary to do some tree removal, um, that the community wasn't, they just, they just couldn't turn three guys loose with a chainsaw. So it needed to be professionally done and therefore it required some dollars and we were able to help them with that. So um, those are the kinds of things we like to do. Yeah, that's a great, uh, that's a great story. And of course, here are you. Yeah, that's, that's me um, uh, doing what I really like to do, which is being with people in the backcountry. That's Steve Thompson, who's absolutely a, a stellar uh, liaison from Ardmore, Oklahoma. Steve's a triple seven captain. Uh, for a major airline when he's not shepherding his 180 around the skies. But that's Meadow Creek in uh, northwest Montana, and, uh, just outside the wilderness boundaries, but you'd never know it. Uh, probably one of the, another one of those just idyllic spots that, uh, you know, yeah, you can take your Aztec there. Um, it, it's a cool place. It's a really cool place. Um, that's Miracle Mile. That's in Wyoming. Uh, that's on some Department of Natural Resources and uh, BLM ground. Um, our liaison there, Lori Olson uh, in Wyoming, and uh, her counterpart across the line, Patrick Romano over in Colorado, kind of pulled this one out. And it's, um, you know, uh, it's, uh, it's it's that wide open Wyoming country that uh, is just pretty cool to see. And there's, uh, you know, uh, it's just a neat spot to go. So. You know, not everything is in the bottom of a deep river canyon with big, tall trees mm -hmm. and rocks around it. Yeah, it's gorgeous, yeah. though. It looks, yeah. I want to know where, I want to know who's picking up the mail from the uh, mailbox that's on the windsock. <laughs> I haven't seen that one before. Well, you know, it's kind of interesting. You would even pick that up. That's a sign-in box. And we ask people when they go, Jeff, please sign in. 
Really? I mean, listen, if you think Big Brother's watching, you're probably right. He is watching uh, somehow ADSB or, you know, uh, through a pair of binoculars. I don't know. I don't worry much about that stuff. Always sign in. And the reason you do is it helps us justify the continued uses of these places. Mm. Um, we always ask you to get out and take a walk around. Don't just land and turn around at the other end and blast off. Uh, the reason that these airstrips that we're so passionate about are there and the ones that we're willing to support is there's something to do once you get there. Mm -hmm. They're not just a place to roll your wheels on the dirt. Uh, so please get out and, and enjoy it. Take a lunch, get a, get a soda can out of the back and have a cold drink and um, uh, go grab your fishing pole or do whatever there is to do there. Uh, instead of notching your belt over it. Right. Now, John, how do people get information if they're both both general information as well as like more up to date, like weather or field conditions or things like that on some of these airports? Well, we do our best. Uh, we have, um, I think, uh, you know, we kind of briefly touched on the airfield guide, um, which is on our website. And we do our best to keep that um, current. Um, but, you know, I, I always tell everybody the, the same and the backcountry is the backcountry. It's kind of the fun part about it is you're back to fly in the way that it was that it all started. Uh, take a good look at the field. Uh, take a take a couple of passes around. Look at it from both ways. Make sure you kind of understand which way the wind's blowing. And um, for heaven's sakes, make sure that you feel comfortable. And there is absolutely not one ounce of shame in doing a low pass and saying, "Well, maybe next time." Yeah, um, that's completely okay. Um, um, you know, uh, don't, don't ever get yourself trapped. And I, I, I see, uh, um, one of our members made a comment that the perils of social flying, no, no disrespect to social flight, but just because you saw three other people land there doesn't perhaps mean that it's for you on that day. Right. Um, it's okay to go around. Um, I think we all know that, uh, there's, uh, no cards that need punching that says you were there. Just um, you're there to have a good time. So, but field conditions, take a good look, uh, you know, do all the normal things, check the, the general weather in the area, look for winds. Generally, I tell people pay pretty close attention to wind and weather because if either of them are not to your favor, then probably just stay, you know, go someplace else for a while. And most mm -hmm. of these places are better to come and go from in the early morning or the later, the later, e the early evening. Uh, winds die down, temperatures are, are lower. So, um, you know, uh, but, but it's great. It's so much fun to uh, acquire this new set of skills. And um, uh, literally, you're not going to break your airplane if you, you just, you know, you, you just do it and do it right. That's great. Yeah. Here's a, another one that looks kind of similar here. Yeah, that's Negrito. That's in New Mexico. And uh, again, uh, sort of that high New Mexico country, uh, you know, not unusual to see a bunch of elk in that part of the world. And uh, There's a great group, the New Mexico Pilots Association. We have an agreement, uh, the New Mexico Airstrip Association, that we're a party to, that is made up of us um, and the Fishing Game and the, the Pilots Association and uh, the Outfitters and Guides. And um, we all work in concert. Uh, to make sure these assets stay available and usable. So cool spot, cool spot. Definitely. Now I am, I'm always struck by, again, you usually think of these traditional out West, you know, locations like we've been showing, 
And then all of a sudden, here you go, you're in Michigan. <laughs> yeah, uh, if you want to feel like you're really all alone. I mean, if you want to go to a place where you are as much in the outback as you can be, this is North Fox Island. Um, I've been out there probably four or five different times. Um, it's a really, it's owned by the Department of Natural Resources. Our liaison there is a guy by the name of Brad Frederick, and he just did yeoman's duty getting this particular property open. But it's, it is, for those of you who have been to Johnson Creek or whatever, it is the Johnson Creek of um, the upper Midwest. Uh, it is a long, gorgeous grass strip, uh, mowed, manicured, great camping, and it's 30 miles offshore. So you will be alone. You won't be bothered. Um, the only thing some people say is, is there anything I should be nervous about? Um, I will tell you at the outset, there are no poisonous snakes in the state of Michigan. Um, at least that's what uh, they tell us. Um, there are a whole bunch of brown snakes that are inhabit this island, but they are not to be feared. Uh, they will scurry for the bushes when they see you coming, but if you see a snake, don't worry about it. It's a harmless brown. I don't even know what they call it, but uh, there's a few of them out there. But it is a great spot. You can hike all around that island. Uh, it's, it's, it's the Caribbean of uh, the upper Midwest. Wow. That is absolutely gorgeous. It's just a great place. Um, now, you, you also sent me some here I'm going to go through that just proves, and I'll tell everybody in the audience, that um, um, that uh, some of these uh, uh, pictures that we're showing now are based on uh, uh, when I had said to John earlier, hey, can you do this in, in, with a nose wheel? And he basically had said, oh, I'm going to inundate you now with pictures of nose wheel okay. aircraft. <laughs> and that happens to me. That's that same bonanza that you saw on final going into Schaefer Meadows. Absolutely. So there's, there's, there's one, but there's more. Yeah, there's, uh, yeah, they're everywhere. Uh, yeah, uh, I plenty, hope you didn't just send me bonanza pictures. <laughs> plenty, plenty of airplanes with training wheels on the front. <laughs> now there's there's the kind of plane you don't think of going an f1 yeah no no um uh the, and and the owner of that airplane now i'm not sure where it, where it resides today but the owner um uh the owner of that airplane now is a carbon cub guy um because he got so ex so enthused about this. this is a guy by the name of wayne lober from utah who's also one of our liaisons how uh, wayne got so excited about this backcountry flying and he was an airline captain he uh, flies a uh, a beach uh, he flies a phenom 300 now uh for a company but uh, he got so enthused about it he said hey i'm gonna get rid of the the f1 and he bought he built himself a carbon cup and he's just a total enthusiast he said i just don't want to be limited to which backcountry strips i can go to but that one happens to be at ryan field right um, absolutely yeah and uh you said you can't use the turbine 210, right? Yeah, I was just going to say, I'm pretty sure there's a Rolls Royce in there. <laughs> yeah, there is. There is. Um, yep. Yeah. Um, so, no, you can. You certainly can use a nose wheel airplane. You might have to pick your spots a few places, but, man, no, not so much. Just, just, be, just be smart. That's a pretty. That's a pretty impressive piece of hardware going into one of these, uh, one of these locations, to say the least. Um. That particular photo is um, uh, is is our signature place. That's Ryan Field. Um, that's in that too is in Northwest Montana. And if you land at Ryan Field, you see that road that's leading out underneath the strut. That's a private road into this particular piece of property. 
some of you may have been uh, a party to helping us. Uh, we built a new a new building there this year. We uh, put up a new barn, the Amish barn, that we hope will become a gathering place for people. And we also built a couple of camper cabins there, which is a bit of a test for us. Um, so you can fly in there and with a little bit of a reservation system, you can uh, make use of the camper cabins for a couple of nights. So if you're- What's a camper cabin? Well, it's a 12 by 12 cabin that's really nicely done that we built that uh, hard, it's a, it's a nice uh, cabin uh, that has a, a queen size bed with two bunk beds in it. Um, you have to bring your own pad and your own sleeping pad but, and sleeping bag. But if you don't like the bugs or the bears, uh, it's um, it's a great spot to uh, not have to sleep in a tent. Um, again, we we know there's lots of lots of folks. Um, as as I people were going to expect this to be different, but I have a lady who who flies a 185, uh, and she says her husband just doesn't like to sleep in a tent. So <laughs> that's a little unusual. But um, um, uh, that also is that's that's Ryan Field. Um, and, uh, just really right there where that mountain is in the, in the distance, that is the, uh, that is the entrance to Glacier National Park. So this is 160 acres, that, 152 that we own that is completely surrounded by national forest and it's a mile from Glacier National Park. So it's, it's, it's about as special a place as you can, you can sort of conjure up in your mind. Wow. And I'll tell you, you see pictures like this and. How do you not do this kind of flying? <laughs> is what, that, what comes to happens. my mind. Yeah, that's Sullivan Lake in Washington, and there's really no better place to be in the summer than Sullivan Lake. Uh, the water is great swimming and recreating, and the airstrip, uh, the edge of the airstrip is the edge of the lake. Um, it, it's it's uh, north, uh, it's kind of north central Washington up there. Uh, Sort of on the Idaho Washington border, but it's it's again right up close to the Canadian border. Uh, you know what a wonderful spot. Oh, it's, it looks looks gorgeous. It's just so wonderful that, to see people yeah, getting that particular that. place. We've worked very closely with the state of Washington to keep that place uh, taken care of. Uh, so that the state of Washington's our partner there. Oh, that's awesome. And this, this is a really, uh, this is a great story. This is Trigger Gap down in Arkansas. For those of you who haven't been to uh, Arkansas yet, um, uh, Northwest Arkansas, specifically around Bentonville, it's, it's really the backcountry of, uh, of the south central part of the United States. Uh, we like to refer to it as Idaho without the density altitude. Um, near Bentonville. Are, near so Bentonville. So, so basically, next to each other, you have this amazing backcountry flying and Walmart's headquarters. It is. And uh, <laughs> I would be remiss if I didn't say the folks from Walmart are great supporters of the RAF. And, um, um, but this was a place that didn't exist. And it's on Nature Conservancy land, which makes for an odd, odd bed mate. Um, but uh, the airplane you see departing there is the new aerobatic airplane called the Gamebird. And uh, the airplane or the airport is a great grass strip. Uh, we've got a project underway right now to, uh, you'll hear more about it in the future, but we're, we're going to build a new pavilion there. Uh, we just built some uh, pit toilets. Uh, so we have great, uh, some additional things coming for Trigger Gap. But for those of you who haven't been to that part of the world, uh, boy, what a great place to go and a ton of backcountry strips to see 
down in that south central part of the world. And um, uh, they are as enthusiastic. I'll put a plug in for the folks in Bentonville. If you haven't been to Bentonville lately, go to Bentonville. It's, it, is, uh, it is a really, really fun destination. And they are working hard to make it an aviation one. This is up in Two Hearted. That's up uh, in upper um, Michigan, up on the peninsula. And uh, again, it uh, was a little, kind of a little forgotten place. And uh, I, I don't think I have to probably do too much to tell you. Um, Ernest Hemingway called the Two Hearted River, River one of his favorites. And there's great trout fishing up there. That's, uh, you know, one of the big lakes up there. So it isn't hard to see. There's lots to see and do. Wow. That's fantastic. And and I want to wrap up by uh, uh, making sure that everybody knows that they can go, first of all, of course, to theraf.org. Please, please join. There is no reason not to so that you can find out what's going on, what you can do to help the Recreational Aviation Foundation and the work that they're doing. And of course, Again, as I mentioned, these airports also are going to be in social flight. In social flight, you can go and you can tap on it. You can see nearby events. You can find out places to stay. You can find out where there's food. Uh, we've got just about everything you can imagine. You can see even the weather and radar and nearby TAFs and METARs, everything in one place. And just as it is with the RF, this is all free. We are here to support you. And uh, with that, I just want to thank you so much, John, John McKenna from the Recreational Aviation Foundation for joining us this evening um, on the show. It, um, I, I am so grateful for the work that you and everyone that works for the RAF is doing to support general aviation. Well, thanks, Jeff. We, uh, you know, we have a lot of fun, um, you know, and we, we tell everybody if it's not fun, then you probably ought not do it. Uh, if you want to jump in, if you'd like more information, as Jeff says, he just told you how to find us. If you can't find what you want, uh, just reach out to one of us. Go to our website. Call me. Uh, my, you know, my phone number's there. Email us. Um, a lot of this information, candidly, is tribal, but it's fun. We like talking to people. Uh, you know, but what I would really encourage you, what a great service Jeff's providing. I mean, and I don't mean that. You know, I mean, there's uh, nothing in that one for me other than to say, you know, we're all in it together. Um, you know, we need to hang together. Let's make aviation even better. And, and this is just about as fun a way to enjoy an airplane as there is. So, Jeff, thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I mean, the bottom line, I think we, we have found during uh, both of our careers is that you know, it's it's great to have a passion. That is what drives our industry. It's great to then have the knowledge, the license, the experience, and even the airplane to make it happen. But without a mission, it all starts to fall by the wayside. And so anything that we can all do to help give pilots a mission, whether it be that destination, that place to go, an event with other people, once we're able to do that again, um, all those wonderful things, keep us so strong as a community. And I am very, very grateful for everything that you do, John. So again, to everyone, thank you so much from Social Flight for joining us this evening, for taking the time out of your evening and for everything that you all do to support our community and support general aviation. With that, thank you, John. Go out to the raf.org and I wish you all blue skies. Mm -hmm.